0: Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. This week we're talking about how God helps us overcome suffering. And we all know that suffering is a part of the fall. Suffering is, a, is part of the consequence of sin when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden Because I feel like this is an important um, foundation to build off of. So Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And when they did so, all of a sudden they were filled with shame. And they realized that they were naked. And so they went into hiding. They made fig leaves to clothe and cover their shame. And we know the story in Genesis. God goes looking for them. I love that. Wherever you go and you think you're hiding, God comes looking for you. And he calls out to them. And he draws them out. He seeks them out. He covers their shame with new clothes, clothes that required the shedding of blood, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And then he promises that one day, one day, he would defeat the serpent that caused them to sin. However, what was done was done. Sin brought God's curse, and with it came pain, suffering, and death. I want to look at Genesis 3, 15 through 19 you can look at it yourself, but I'm just going to summarize it for sake of time. Part of the curse that came as a result of Genesis 3:5 through 15 through 19 is Jesus. God told him there will be hostility between the seed of the woman and the serpent. And what that tells us is that part of the curse of sin is spiritual warfare. That there is hostility between the devil, the serpent, and the seed of the woman. We are all seed of a woman. Not the same one right? But we're all seed of a woman. So already God was beginning to say there is going to be a battle between darkness, evil, and humanity. That's part of the curse, spiritual warfare. And looking at how that would play out, and we see it play out all the way through human history until now. Not only that, he told the woman, your labor, you're going to have painful pregnancy and painful labor. And he tells them, you will have relationship issues he tells the woman you will have desire for your husband and he will control you and then it talks to the man and it says you will labor and work but the ground will produce thorns and thistles and what does this mean in a summary it basically means not just that all women can thank eve for painful menstruations and labor and delivery but he was saying that part of the result of sin is pain Sickness, right? Not only that, but relationship issues. Power, struggles, control, misunderstandings, manipulation, disappointments. There would be put-downs, defensiveness, deception, even loneliness. That in all of our relationships, not just husband and wife, Adam and Eve, but through all of our relationships, as a result of sin and the curse, there will be issues in our relationships, And not only that, but the thorn, the ground would grow thorns and thistles, and those represent the fact that no matter how hard we work and try and achieve, we will never be fully satisfied. That no matter how hard we try to make it, we will never get there. There's a feeling of restlessness, a feeling of incompleteness. That no matter how hard we work, we'll just never get there. Frustration, failure, famine, loss. Why would God do this? I want to read a quote from Peter Schizero. He says this, God releases the curse in order to drive us to our knees, to seek him, to recognize our need for a savior. The problem is, instead of being broken by the others and the thistles of life and thus coming to Christ, we either flee, fight, or hide. So often the human nature response to pain and difficulties and struggles and trials and temptations, our typical human nature reply and response is to flee, fight, or hide. How many guys know even the body, the physiological response is fight or flight, right? So even within our own physiology, there's the fight or flight mentality that we have. And so as humans, the way we deal with shame and the way we deal with sin hasn't really changed much from Adam and Eve. Fight, flee, or hide. So I just kind of want to look at each one of those separately because God has an answer for each one of these. Sometimes when we go through challenges, our first instinct is to flee, to run. We bury our pain. We look for ways to numb the pain, to cope with the pain. Maybe one of the ways we flee is we try to avoid the problems of life by just focusing on something else. So, I got problems at home, so I'm going to put all my energy at work. And I'm going to work late because I want to go home. Because home's where the problem is. Right? Just to give you an understanding of how it works. Right? So, sometimes we don't deal with the pain, the suffering in a way that Christ is now wanting to teach us a new way, but we just go to our human nature coping mechanisms and we flee. So, we put our energy into something else so that we can avoid the difficult. Another way we flee from our pain, our suffering, our struggles is through distractions. I think this is a really common one. And distractions aren't necessarily sinful. It's not like I'm doing something wrong, but I'm just distracting myself from what's really going on inside of me by watching this or streaming that or scrolling here or shopping there, popping this, drinking that, Sex, porn. There's a lot of ways that we try to distract ourselves. Work, money, investments, sports. There's a lot of things we do to try to distract ourselves from the results of pain and suffering. But I tell you, Jesus has a better way. And we're going to get to that. The other thing we do if we don't flight or flee, we fight. We get angry. We're, we're kind of easily uh, irritable. Got anger outbursts. We're irritated. Everything drives us nuts. Your family walks on eggshells around you because they're afraid if they did the wrong thing. Off with your head. You can end up being bitter, violent, even, angry at God. These are aspects of that fight thing. Something goes wrong in life. The problem is, we don't confront the problem, we beat everybody else up, and ourselves included. If you got anger outburst issues, then it's pointing to something deeper underneath the surface. If you're easily irritated, you might need a nap or a good meal, a cup of coffee, or some Jesus time. I don't know. (laughs) All of the above. I don't know. The other thing we do is we run and hide, just like Adam and Eve did. We try to cover up our pain and suffer. We act like everything's good. I'm good. Nothing phases me. Water off a duck's back. For you that don't know what that means, it means everything is good. Nothing phases me. I'm good to go. We exaggerate the good. We only post everything good with the right filter and the right lighting and the right everything. So everything looks great. But underneath it all, we're just falling apart. We ignore the challenges and the difficulties. And we try to just pretend like, oh, bro, it's all good. How's your marriage? Good, it's good, great, good. If you have to say that five times in a row, it's probably not so good, great, good. But this is how we deal with the challenges that we go to. There is an innate human response of coping with pain. Because here's the reality of what you and I need to really get and believe. Pain was never God's intention. Sickness was never God's intention. If it was, it would have been in the garden. You want to know what God's intention for humanity was? Look at the Garden of Eden. There was no sickness. No relational problems. Right? Right? So all of these things are a result of pain and suffering and sin. These responses, fighting, flying, feeling, heat, hiding, whatever, hitting, all of these responses, if you don't know how to respond to the pain and suffering that is inevitable with life, it will only lead to more problems, more pain, more suffering, more relationship problems, more challenges. You have to learn the right way to deal with pain and suffering. And let me tell you, we will all have seasons of pain and suffering. Some because we caused it, and some because we got no control, but somebody else caused it. Amen? It's true. If we don't know how to respond in a way that brings us to greater levels of emotional healing and wholeness, life, then it's going to just further harden our hearts. It's going to create greater distance in our relationships, even with God. It could lead to addictions, shame, guilt. But this is not what God desires for you. Jesus offers a better way. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is the better way. So I think today is going to be part one and next week will be part two, okay? Because all of a sudden I just felt like I have to preach what the Lord gave me. You want to know why? Because this is one of the hardest sermons I've written in a long time. There was a lot of warfare over this thing. And so in my spirit, I just felt like the Lord said, make it a two-part series. All right, Hebrews 2, 17 through 18. Therefore, it was necessary for him, Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Come on, read this next part. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing He is able to help us when we are being tested. Wow. Did you realize that? Jesus willingly went through pain and suffering so that he could not only relate to us, but be a source of help and strength when we need it. What kind of God gives up the glories of heaven and limits himself to the confines of humanity, fully God but fully human? To say, I'm willing to go through pain and suffering, betrayal and false accusations, slander and misunderstandings, disappointment and accusations. I'm willing to embrace the cross and the beating that I took. Why? So that I could be here for you when you go through it too. What a God we serve. Mm, can, you just, can we just say la, pause? Thank God for that. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to suffer Mm. so that you could be there for us when we're being tested, so that you could relate to our pain and our suffering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus came. He went through everything we did so that he could be there for us. Come on, tell your neighbor he's here for you. Now point yourself, he's here for me. He's here for me. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. We believe that you're here for us. You're here for us. I want to take you to 1 Peter chapter 4. The first two verses. Man, Peter talks a lot about suffering in 1 Peter, his first epistle. There's a lot there that we just don't have time to get into, but read it this week. Read 1 Peter. So in chapter 4, verse 1 through 2, it says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with what? The same attitude he had, and be ready to suffer too. Okay, I'm going to stop there. There was a, a lie propagated through the Western church in America that if you got saved, everything would go well for you. It's just not true. And here's the verse to tell you. He says, be ready to suffer. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean everything is rainbows and unicorns and rose petals and whatever happiness ah because the enemy comes and says if something's going wrong then that's because god's left you he doesn't love you what's wrong with you he tries to take that and manipulate it and if you think well if i'm a christian everything should go well with me then you fought into that lie and now you doubt the goodness of god that's why it's so important that you realize that being a christian doesn't mean you won't suffer in fact to be honest being a christian means sometimes we will suffer more and you have to be ready to suffer for jesus why? Because suffering for Jesus means I give up my way and I take up his way. It means when I feel like punching you in the face, I turn the other cheek. Hmm. What do you think? Corrie Ten Boom was faced by a Nazi. If you don't know who she was, she was a Dutch. Her family helped hide Jews during the Holocaust. And she and her family were arrested and thrown into the prison encampment. And her book is amazing. But she tells a story. She was the only member of her family to survive. The others were gassed as well. And she tells a story how she was, you know, sharing the gospel after the war and stuff. And this Nazi soldier came up to her and and confronted her about it. Oh, you think you're so strong, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, What do you think takes more strength, hatred or forgiveness? And she forgave. In fact, she tells a story of when the actual Nazi soldier who killed her sister in front of her approached her in one of her meetings. He had come to know Jesus Christ and he approached her and extended his hand and she recognized him and everything within her wanted to. And then she's like, the Holy Spirit gave her strength and she shook his hand, she said, I forgive you. What do you think takes more strength, hatred or forgiveness? The Jesus way is the, is the right way, but it's a hard way. The Bible says narrow is the road that leads to life, and very few find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life. So when we choose the narrow way, when we choose the Jesus way, we choose knowing that that means we're going to have to suffer, that life is not always going to be easy or fair, that we will also be slandered and misunderstood, that we will also go through challenges and difficulties, but for the sake of Christ... We have to learn how to handle it like Jesus. That's why this verse says, be ready to suffer. But before it says, arm yourself with the same attitude as Jesus. Arm yourself. Arm yourself. What are your weapons during these challenges? The attitude of Christ. Not retaliation, not insults. The attitude of Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we talked about some of the attitude that we see of Jesus Christ in Philippians 2. Humility, servant, and obedience. But I'm going to show us some others that we see of the attitude of Christ so that we know how to deal with pain and suffering and trials in a way that leads to becoming more like Christ instead of harming the body of Christ. Oh, that's good. Mm. Next verse, verse 2. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. So what is required for me to deal with pain and suffering like Christ? I need to what? Do the will of God. That means I can't give in to my own desires. I got to do the will of God. That means it's not about what I want, feel, think even am justified in. But what is the will of God in this situation? What is the will of God in this relationship problem? What is the will of God in how I deal with this conflict at work? What is the will of God in how I deal with this conflict in my family? What is the will of God in my finances? What are the will of God? See, Jesus dealt with pain and suffering, yet was without sin. So that means you and I can learn to deal with pain and suffering and be without sin tell your neighbor you can do it with with holy spirit help you can do it let's go to hebrews 5 7 through 9 one of the things i want to pause real quick i would just like to make a request if you own one of these things it's called the bible i'd like for you to bring it on sundays i, I know a lot of us are digital why bring it pastora you put it on the walls I know, you're old school, I don't even do that anymore, everything's online. Okay, humor me. I would like us to start bringing our Bibles. And the reason is there's something very tangible. When when we read a scripture together as a church, and you see it in your own Bible, and you take that Bible home, and you underline it, you write in it. One of the things I love to do when God speaks to me, I put a date next to it in the margin. And then when I come around again and reading it, and I'm like, what was happening in November of 2018? And then I think about it, and then I'm like, wow, God, man, he did what he said he was going to do. Or, well, Lord, it's not yet. Come on. You promise? Five years still waiting. But it's a way to track your spiritual journey with God if you actually read this, as opposed to just taking a bunch of screenshots. And those are valuable, too. But if we could, I'm just, as your pastor, I love the word of God. Peter said, where would we go? Your words are spirit and life. Can we can we get back to the basics? Bring our Bibles, yeah? Okay. Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. While Jesus was here on earth. Okay, remember, we're talking about arming ourselves with the same attitude as Jesus when he went through sufferings. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who believe him. So how did Jesus deal with pain and suffering? Well, it tells you in verse 7, he offered prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears. You can go to Jesus with your loud cries and your tears. God is not offended by your emotions. He's not offended. You can angry, you can yell, you can cry, you can throw a tantrum. He still loves you. You know, sometimes we come under this false idea that, you know, I gotta, I gotta, if I'm going to pray, I've got to have it all together. I can't feel like that. Yeah. So I've got to push that back here, and, and I can't think like that. Oh, God. No. He already knows what you're thinking before you think it. He knows if you're angry, frustrated, disappointed, sad, discouraged. He knows everything you're going through. You are allowed to come to him with the rawness and authentic um, emotions that you have. You know, it would actually be better if you took those raw emotions and gave them to Jesus than lashed them out on your loved ones. If you and I learn to process our pain in the presence of the Father then we wouldn't respond in pain in a sinful way. If we would come to God and just acknowledge how we really feel, then we wouldn't have to try to keep it all together. You know what happens when you stuff things away? Eventually, I just swept it under the carpet, swept it under the carpet, I just swept it under the carpet, and then eventually this big volcanic eruption exploded. You know, when you put everything in the one closet, all oh, company's coming over, put it all in the closet. And then one day you open the closet. <clears throat> That's how sometimes our emotions are. Just put it in the closet. Oh, I'm going to church. Oh, I got to pray. I got to talk to Jesus. Just put it in the closet. And then one day Jesus opens the closet. <laughs> <laughs> or someone says something and looks at you weird. And, pff, wow. and all this stuff comes out. Why? Because we didn't process our pain in the presence of God. We tried to stuff it, run from it, hide from it, numb it, distract it, avoid it. So this is number one. We're going to get into everything else next week, but this is number one. You want to know how biblical this is? Have you ever read the book of Psalms? I mean, yo, David had some emotions. He he believed in the justice of God so much that he would even say, Lord, destroy my enemies, gnash their teeth, beat in their heads. And you're like, wow, is this the Bible? Old Testament, Old Testament. No, it's still the Bible. What he was doing is, God, this is not right. This situation is unjust. This is not fair. But you're the God who promised to be the one who is Uh, the one who takes vengeance for me so I will not act in vengeance I will not try to do justice you are the God of justice you do it
1: but Lord get him good
0: the one thing about the Psalms is like he admits that he's depressed despondent despaired he's been hurt he's been betrayed and he just comes to God and just says it like it is but you know how he always ends but God I trust you but you're the one who is enthroned on heaven You're the one who is good. He always came back to the truth of who God is and the promise of what God would do. Jesus did not ignore his pain. He did not pretend it away. He didn't stuff it or blast it on his disciples. Can you imagine if Jesus didn't know how to handle his pain, what he could have done to some of them people? (laughs) I don't know. Just let your imagination have a little fun. Like, if he said off with their head, it was literally saying he's God. But he learned how to express his pain loudly. Look at that verse again. He offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears, but not just to come to God and vent. <laughs> Thanks, God, I'm out of here. I got it. I'm good. I just needed a vent. But I know what I'm going to do. How many times is that how we, that's not really processing your pain with God. That's just coming to God and just vomiting all over him. But I still got it. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But look what it says. He did it to the one who could rescue him from, from death. And God heard his prayers because of his, his deep reverence for God. When you and I come to process our pain, we have to make sure that we're doing it not in an accusatory fashion against God, but in deep reverence because you care about me, because your plans for me are good, because you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good, because you see me and you're with me and you're for me, then I can trust whatever you say and I will obey your will over mine. See, we got to learn how to process our pain in the presence of God, the one who can rescue and save. Come on, worship team. We're going we're gonna to close And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence. But you want to know what one of the byproducts of suffering is if you learn how to process your pain in the presence of God? It's found here in Hebrews. What does it say? Even though Jesus was God's son, verse 8, or you can put it back up for me. Even though Jesus was God's son, what does it say? He learned obedience from the things he suffered. Do you know that if you can learn how to process your pain in the presence of God and allow him to do works of healing and freedom and wholeness, there's so much we don't have time to get into. But if you can do that, one of the things that he will work in you is obedience. Why? Because you know that you really believe God when you obey him even when it hurts. When you obey him, when you'd rather take revenge than forgive. When you choose to obey him instead of doing your own way, in your own words, in your own will. He learned obedience from the things he suffered. We can expect the same thing, church, that as we learn how to process our pain in the presence of God, we will also learn what it means to really obey God, to do it his way, in a way that honors him and glorifies him. And Jesus gave us the best example of this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Can I just ask you for a moment, just to think that, I want you to picture the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew that just in in a moment of hours, he was about to be arrested, betrayed by one of his closest disciples, one of the twelve. He knew that in that moment, all of them would abandon him. He knew he was about to be beaten beyond recognition. The Bible says he was beaten so badly that you couldn't even recognize him. Not like Hollywood, they couldn't show that. He knew all this was about to happen, and so what does he do? He takes his three closest friends with him to pray. Can I tell you some of what you and I need to do is get some people that we can trust and take them with us in prayer when we're going through hard times. Even Jesus took his three closest friends to pray. He didn't go alone. He took them with him. He said, pray with me. My soul is in distress. We need to learn like Jesus. Who are those two or three we can ask to say, pray with me. I'm in distress. There's some real stuff happening in my life and I need help. Because you were never meant to go through it alone. He takes the three, Peter, James, and John. He says, pray with me. I'm just gonna go a little further. And the Bible says he fell on his knees, and he said, God, if there's another way, is there another way, God? But not my will, your will be done. Not my will. He was in so much physical stress and emotional turmoil that his capillaries in his forehead, they burst and his sweat was mixed with blood. I don't know about you, I've never been in that much pain and suffering. And yet our Savior in that moment said, God, I wish there was a different way, but not my will, your will be done. He modeled for us what it's like to take our pain and suffering to the one he knew who could rescue him from death. Did God rescue him from death? Not in the way we expected. He died on the cross. But God, on the third day, rescued him from death. See, sometimes the rescue of God ain't going to look like you think it's going to look. But God is going to come through. But you have to be willing to say, God, I want to come to you with my pain, my suffering. Will you stand to your feet? so god we thank you today we give to you all of our cares we cast our cares on you we invite you jesus into our pain that's the last thing i want to share in this moment you can invite jesus into your pain there was something recently some some area of wounding in my own heart and at, at just the mention of someone's name I would just start crying. I would have a really strong emotional reaction because there's a, there's a history of pain. And in the moment, I just said, Jesus, I, I don't wanna have this reaction when I just hear that person's name. Jesus, I invite you into that place. I need you to work healing in me. I've forgiven them, but it still hurts. Do you know that you can forgive someone and it still hurts? Because if it hurts, it's not healed. And I just said, Jesus, I invite you into that place of pain. I need you to heal my heart. I didn't have no holy goosies. I didn't have no woo. I just leaned into Jesus. And the next day, that name came up. And this time, there was no reaction. And I said, is this for real? Did you answer my prayers, Lord? That was two weeks ago, and he's answered my prayer. All I did was invite Jesus into that place of pain. This is, this is the last thing. I know we're running late, but it's okay because Jesus is the boss of our schedules. You don't got nothing better to be anyway. Okay. This is the last thing I feel like we need to do is, is I need some of you, to, you really need to invite Jesus into that place of pain. You need his healing, you need his touch, whatever it is. I just want to take a moment before we close and give you that opportunity to do so. Jesus, you know where we hurt, and you know why we hurt. You were there with us when we were hurt. You're the only one who can heal. You're close to the brokenhearted. So we invite you, Jesus, into this area of pain, into this wounding, into this hurt. By faith, we receive healing, freedom, wholeness. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.